0: You just took our only formula for super strength.
1: Everything about you will become stronger. Oh, I am
0: all-powerful! I get in my groin? Do chicks have groins? <laughs> What's your superpower? Invisibility. That's awesome.
1: Let's see what these powers can really do.
2: Everyone just stay calm and no one's going to get hurt. Uh
3: stop you're
0: cooking them from the inside out oh man please don't film this sir it's a mistake thunder force remember it get them all in let's start the show
2: welcome to court killers the show about watching the stuff you love when you want where you want however you want i'm tom merritt
0: I'm Brian Brushwood, but most importantly, of uh, uh,
1: tell me more about
0: Thunder Force. I'm all in on this, Bryce Castillo.
1: That is uh, the new film coming to Netflix, Thunder Force. That's April 9th. It's Melissa McCarthy, Octavia Spencer. They're two middle-aged women who are given superpowers, and there are also supervillains, and they've got to fight them. It's probably going to be exactly what you expect, but it look, I thought the trailer was pretty good boy 100 and and more importantly uh
0: the farther we could go into the fringes of of like um uh i don't know whatever demographic that that that, that we could scoop up uh the happier i get uh speaking of fringe demographics uh what? welcome very much to grant davis for joining us you are a fringe demographic i'm sorry i, I okay. did not want to be the one to tell you this but now it's
1: true applauding for grant not the segue mm. <laughs>
3: Thank, thank you for having me. I, I'm glad to be here representing the, the fringe demographic of white nerdy geek guys. Way out there. Way out there, <laughs> very, bro. very niche. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so niche. Yeah. There's only uh, only a few of us around on this show. Yeah. Uh, hey, Grant, it's, really it's good right to here. have you, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah,
3: thanks. Thanks.
2: Let. I don't know about you guys, but I'd like to talk about our primary target. Mm.
0: Bold move.
2: Mm-hmm. Folks, what's the future of TV distribution? The answer, nobody knows. Uh, Here's a couple of very powerful people in the business expressing how much they don't know. At Morgan Stanley's annual technology media and telecom conference, Charter Communications CEO Tom Rutledge. Charter, of course, does the Spectrum uh, cable service, said that linear packages, a.k.a. traditional cable, quote, is being priced out of the market in many ways. And the new streaming and on-demand products really haven't been successful from a linear perspective yet. And when he says on-demand products and streaming, he's not talking about Netflix. He's talking about YouTube TV, that kinds of stuff. They just don't, Yet, look like a viable alternative to cable, but also cable's not doing very well, says Rutledge. Uh, and in fact, stats back that up pay TV is used by about 65% of the US, according to Moffat Nathanson. That's down from a peak of 87% in 2009. Rutledge thinks Charter can be, quote, a storefront and an aggregator of streaming services as the industry will segment into much narrower niches. Uh, recently, Charter did deals with Disney and NBC Universal to include distribution of Disney Plus and Peacock, along with the carriage of the usual channels. So that's where Charter thinks its future lies, is in packaging all this stuff up and selling it to you. At the same conference, Warner Media and former Hulu CEO Jason Kalar was asked about, okay, well, how many of these different services, HBO Max, Peacock, Paramount Plus, can we handle? He thinks a typical household will subscribe to about Less than seven or six. I'm not. But he immediately changed it from seven to six in the middle of his answer.
0: I, 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 <laughs> I don't blame him for changing his mind mid sentence, but, but um, uh, truthfully, I don't think any of us know how many That's of the these point. that we could do. Right. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that in general, we have an appetite for about a hundred bucks a month, give or take. I think what we crave is uh, more choice, and more on demand than anything else. Um, and, and in fact, actually grant, I would love to hear your take on this because I don't, I don't, I don't think we've ever heard the full story of, of, of your transition from cable television to over the top services.
3: I, I mean, I, I feel like I, I cut the cord a long time ago and was just moving to Netflix and then pirating a bunch of stuff for a while. Yep. Um, but but that was a little bit more in my post-college, no money, still going to figure out how how people are just putting things up there. Um, since then, I've been able to you know, grab onto a, a bunch of different packages. I, I like that I'm able to target my interests to say I, I want – disney plus and i want netflix other people might want peacock or cbs all access and currently i I think it's kind of neat that you can grab just the channels that you want but as this continues to just expand in scope and have all these different platforms it is getting a little frustrating that there isn't something a little bit more straightforward that you could subscribe to that essentially does what cable was doing and consolidates a lot of a lot of these digital packages
2: the- I see a couple of different uh, uh, criticisms out there in the world. One is like uh, the, the the subscription fatigue that you're alluding to. Like, ah, there's too many choices. I, do I have to subscribe to the mall to get all the shows I want? Uh, and then there are other people saying, oh, so you're just bundling everything together just like cable. So we haven't learned anything. I think the second one of those criticisms is the least genuine to me because the bundling that's happening is a response to the subscription fatigue. It's saying, hey, let's make it easier for you to manage this stuff. And the bundling still gives you way more control and a lot more options than you did under cable where you, you know, maybe had two or three tiers you could choose from each one, even more expensive than the last. So I, I look at this as, you know, the, the big machine of cable television has just trundled to a stop almost out of fuel on a new Vista of cord cutting. And it's a, it's a big open desert and everyone's looking around going, okay. What do we build now? What do we do next? Right.
0: So, so uh, uh, it's been a hot minute since we've honestly had this dialogue about uh, piracy. Like, I remember, like, what six, seven years ago, we were talking about how uh, HBO uh, sort of almost wore it like a like like a medallion—the fact that they uh, had some of the most pirated content on the internet or whatever—and uh, we pointed out at the time. That uh, that was a that was an unfortunate side effect of the fact that they were never making any legal way to make their content available. Uh, nowadays, I mean, I, I, I'm a good five, six, seven, eight years free from even indulging in any form of piracy. Like like I, 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 Tom, I think you went honest even before I did. Like like, can we have a, a real quick just check in as as far as like. I, I, my impression is that all of us are having our best experiences in a post piracy universe. But I, but I don't want to speak for anybody who is convinced that piracy is the way to go.
3: And Grant, we oh, promise I'm, this I'm is not a sting. I'm doing this. <laughs> you narcs. Uh, it, no, yes. I, I, um, I definitely don't do that anymore. I'll, although I will say that there is uh, shared accounts is a lot more common now. I will um share accounts with like my folks they'll have uh, an account to hbo i'll have an account to netflix and we'll just kind of pass between those but uh no longer do the piracy game it's actually more more trouble than it's worth and i i find i am able to uh, afford uh the shows that i want and and access the the things that i'm interested in
0: yeah shared accounts are a little bit closer to like a gray market situation where we in a weird way Many of, I mean, there's even jokes about them within the content that that's being uh, 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 put out there. Um, I don't know. What about you, Bryce?
1: Oh, uh, I haven't really pirated media in, in, in quite a while. Most everything I want is, usually the only things I end up having to get technically illegally are like, fan subs or something on an international channel or streaming service that just doesn't operate doesn't let me just because of the region that i'm in but but i haven't really pirated much in earnest uh at least at least streaming media tv movies uh in quite a while tom no, yeah you, have, like to, you have to do a lot of work to make piracy easy yeah you can do it but you have to do a lot of setup right and all the sites changed all the sites changed since i last did it it's not it's mm. not the same things anymore you can't just it's not just media fire you, there are all sorts of weird stuff or whatever it might be i don't <laughs> <laughs> not that i would know <laughs>
2: yeah i i i think we've got to the point uh to, to brian to to where i think you're going with, with with your point here where you can get almost everything legally uh, and not even just legally, fairly accessibly. It's not like, oh, man, I, I'd love to have that service, but it's not available on the device that that I want to watch it on. Almost everything is available almost everywhere, uh, with a few exceptions here and there in the corners. But I rarely run across a situation where I can't get something legally. And even when I do, it's usually solved by a little bit of patience. Like, oh, yeah, that season that aired in England, that'll come to BritBox you know, as soon as that season is over, or that'll come to Netflix, you know, or your VPN, right? You just, you just, you know, take a little trip, uh, through the internet and right. suddenly you, you're you, in England you, you and then you can watch it. And suddenly you're yeah. on the
0: other side of the planet. Right. Um, I, I, I was really surprised at how little I, I minded, uh, my 13 year old, um, was getting together with her friends and, and I know, I know for a fact that we bought, um, one of the Miyazaki movies like uh, uh, spirited away like five times I'm sure we bought it a billion times but in this case she wanted to experience it live on a, uh, a, a party watch situation mm-hmm. and I had no problem because it was like whatever dude you could do worse than give 15 more dollars to Miyazaki that's fine
1: they didn't just watch it on HBO Max? Or I guess uh, HBO Max doesn't have a group watch thing exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I I I think it
2: it's now is the time for us to stop. Well, not stop, but to to grumble less about you know, so we ruined cable, but we don't have anything good yet. But but to start voting with our dollars and our and our attention to the things that are solving those problems. Because there's there's real problems. There's there's subscription fatigue. There's too much out there. It's hard to keep track. How how do I decide which subscriptions to keep and not forget that I've got a subscription to something I don't need anymore? Like let's let's start looking for the the folks who can who can help us solve those problems. I think that's the exciting vista of distribution. And that's what I'd like to hear chartered communications CEO, Tom Rutledge talking about less, less about I'll be the storefront and more about I'll be the solution.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, so, so,
0: so what does that mean in a practical, like boots on the ground, concrete solution, as far as, um, uh, I I, I mean, do, do we end up in a situation like I was in where I buy a Miyazaki movie for the fifth time and just like shrug and be like, well, I guess that's how it's going to be
2: no, I, I I think I'd like to see somebody like charter or or some startup that comes out of nowhere that says, "I've made the deals, I've got the management, I've got the machine learning. Uh, you trust me, and if you do, I will make sure that when you need to watch the Miyazaki on a on a shared watch platform i will I will help you figure out the cheapest, best way to do that. Uh, and if you already own it and you can use it through that ShareWatch platform, I'll just surface it for you and you're done. Like it's that future that Brian, that you're always talking about, which is the software that figures out all that fiddly stuff for you. So you can just watch what you want.
0: Yeah. Still waiting for it.
2: Yeah, like, no, I know. Yeah. But I think you, you I feel like your... now now is the time where they can actually start building it. Like we've got all the services. We've got all the content. We've been waiting to catch up on that now start building the the front end the management end
3: yeah i mean we have the we have we have spotify or pandora for access to any music you want at any time for the most part with 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 very few exceptions and if there could be a platform where you can go through a roll and just pick whatever movie from their back end that they already have like you saw that it was already consolidating into like three competitors for a long time it was Netflix, it was Hulu, it was uh Amazon Prime. And then uh the the new batch popped up and everything like split off. A lot of people, NBC, Peacock, whatever, took a bunch of their property back. And then everyone's back to just their own little fiefdoms in original programming.
2: I, yeah, because those first three showed that you could make money off that. And so the content owners were like, well, we could also make money off of our own stuff. <laughs> uh and and yeah. so we're gonna have to see who can who can really do that and who can't.
0: I wonder what remix culture looks like going forward in the next five to 10 years. Like, like, I love the idea of, of, of turn on Twitch. I'm talking, I'm trying to explain a point or whatever. And it's like, I don't want to watch. I I don't want to show you all of fight club, but I just want to show you this seven minute segment, you know? And then I, I, I don't know how that works out in terms of how many people are watching and how much I should pay for the rights to the blah, 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 blah. But, but it's like, I want you to experience this one thing with me. Um, I don't know, maybe we've talked about this before. Like, I love the idea of, 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 of VJ culture, uh, with, with copyrighted material.
2: Yeah. I mean, right now that's YouTube.
0: Yeah. But, but unfortunately an awful lot of it is sort of, you know, like because they, uh, uh for example, like movie clips or whatever, like, 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 that's at their largesse, where they're just like, "Yep, go ahead and get away with it while you can." And then the moment we decide we're no longer cool with it, it it'll not exist.
3: Yeah, just flip a switch and all your all your content's gone. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, being married to the woman in charge of video production for Fandango, which owns Movie Clips, Whoops. I i am i no, i am i am privy I
0: saying, it's like there's no way i can't accidentally step in that mud pie i'm so sorry <laughs> no 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 it's not a mud pie at all
2: i i am privy to all the the hand-wringing and legal machinations that she has to go through to be like okay so for movie clips we're allowed to do this but you can't take that and do it on rotten tomatoes even though we're all the same company like it's just so complicated out there to figure out like what is allowed and what isn't. And most of the time you're just kind of hoping, you're just crossing your fingers. Like I'm pretty sure no one will claim be, complain if we do this. It's not even about what's legal or illegal. It's about who will raise a
0: stink if we do X. So I recently was trying to figure out, uh, I was getting my Oculus Quest 2 to work with my main computer or whatever. And I was I was setting up a room and I noticed that I could play a clip on YouTube but it would black it out when it it was quote unquote projected onto the big screen. Um, mm. I gotta tell you, man. Like like uh, part of me just wished that I could just be like, send me a bill. Like just let me know what yeah. this costs. Right. Right. Yeah. Just just
2: calculate it up uh, and and let us figure it out and divvy up the money so everybody gets paid and you know we could all afford to watch what we want to watch when we want where we want. Yeah. Until then, you should take your money and give it to us.
0: Uh, well, specifically, <laughs> you should give us about $1 per episode. And you should do it by going over to patreon.com slash cord killers, where you can become a pledge to keep a, a, a pledge a, 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 some, a patron to keep us live, live and independent. Uh, uh, just a buck an episode. That's all we're asking for. You get your own RSS feed. You get the pre-show, the post-show. You get our after talk. You get everything all in one awesome block. please. Yeah, give us money.
2: Yeah. Only a dollar. That's not even a dollar Canadian. Unless you're Canadian, then I guess it's still a dollar, but patreon.com slash cord killers. Let's talk about how to watch. <laughs> well, one of the ways cord cutters like to watch movies is in a movie theaters. Now I know not all of you do, but some of you do. It's part of the where you want aspect of controlling how you watch. Yes. We like HBO Max's day and date movie release strategy, uh, and a lot of us would like it to be a permanent one so that we get to decide when and where we watch the new movie. And by the way, Jason Kalar hinted in that uh, interview at the conference that we mentioned earlier that they haven't decided If they're going to keep doing that, we'll have to wait and see. But to watch in theaters, you need theaters. And COVID has been very hard on theaters. We've been waiting to see how theaters would survive as they continue to find creative ways to keep the lights on throughout 2020 and this year. And now we have our first notable bankruptcy. Alamo Drafthouse, which uh, the host of this show agrees one of the best ways to see a movie, has filed for voluntary Chapter 11 bankruptcy. This might not be as bad as it sounds to some if you don't understand chapter 11 bankruptcy. It's a reorganization that will see the company sell its assets to a new investor group, but that investor group includes uh, multiple founders, Uh, Tim League, one of the original founders of Alamo Draft House, among them. Uh, It's a bit of corporate paperwork that brings in one, uh, new money and two, new investors, but also keeps a lot of the original folks involved. And it will keep all but three of the Alamo Draft House locations open. Uh, they'll be closing a location in Kansas City, one in New Braunfels, Texas, and the Sixth Street Austin location—the Ritz version of Alamo Draft House. Brian, I'm, am I being too optimistic if I say I feared this would have been worse? So I'm not as upset as I could have been.
0: I mean, I'll toss to Grant right here, where it's like I'm shocked. This hasn't happened already i mean it's like I, I i'm impressed that they've last that they've lasted this long
3: grant right they had such success that they exploded and they were opening up multiple theaters just across the the nation in such a big push for draft house just kind of taking over as, as a a new way to to experience going to the movie theaters and I was surprised they were spreading them so so, so thin. I mean, certainly they couldn't predict that a pandemic would really cripple the entire market, but the fact that they've been able to like, hang on for this long with what they've been able to do, like with a shift of their business model has been impressive already. And the fact that the kind of the damage that we're going to see is just a loss of those three theaters. I, I do take that as, as kind of a, A surprising i I take that with a with some optimism for the survival of the rest of draft house
0: this is the part where i'm i'm going to lean on on tom to give me sort of a a a bit of context here because as i understand it uh uh, bankruptcy does not mean that uh, suddenly everything's gone it means that you're restructuring debt you're you uh have the option to push off certain obligations to another time or whatever like like this is not the end of the Alamo as we understand it, correct?
2: Correct. Yeah. Um, And, and I'm not a financial expert. I I don't understand all of this perfectly, but it does seem like a little bit of a judo move here. Uh, Chapter 11 bankruptcy is always about restructuring your debt and saying, look debtors, uh, we can't pay you everything, but how much, how about we make a deal to pay you some of the things? Uh, And, and it often involves a sale, uh, where you sell off assets to be able to pay off the debtors and everybody agrees, okay, well, if you do that, then we'll take this much less, et cetera, et cetera. In this case, Alamo Draft House is selling itself to itself uh, in some ways. It's a, it's a different group of investors than the current one, but a lot of the current ones are in the new one, including the founders like Tim League. Uh, so I, I feel like this is them using the the corporate, you know, the arcane corporate magics out there to sort of, kill the old and reinvent the new. And and we're only losing three locations in the deal.
3: There's also
0: something to the fact that it's like, if you're ever going to have sort of a a chaos reshuffling of things, seems like right now is a pretty good time to do that. Right.
2: I mean, it's kind of the only time it's the time you have to choose. I I don't think they would have wanted to do it any, any other way. Right. It's just the fact that there's been nobody going to theaters for a year that put them in this position.
3: I don't really know much about the Kansas City or New Braunfels locations. I can't imagine they've been around for too long, given that I think their big big expansion only happened about like five, seven years ago. But uh, the Ritz location was a relocation already of where the original um, draft house was, so... There was something precious about that original location over on Colorado street, but the new one on sixth street, it had a little bit of the same charm, but I would never go there. It was never my first choice of a theater. It's, it's always a hassle going downtown. Yeah. Parking, the sixth street
0: location was always sort of like a spiritual successor to the original fourth and Col- right. Colorado original one. Um, and it, it, in, in some ways it was almost just a mascot. Would, would, would that be appropriate to say? I think so
2: well and i imagine that sixth street one survived a lot on people coming to sixth street for various things like south by southwest you know et cetera et cetera uh and with nobody doing conferences nobody doing tourism uh that's that's one that probably got hit even harder uh because there's not an there's not as much of a neighborhood around to even do do minor things at it uh Mm. even when things do reopen it's not going to come back as fast so yeah i think they should just go back to fourth in colorado
0: yeah i think uh (laughs) i think i think the best and and let me toss to bryce on this like uh maybe the best experience i ever had at the sixth street uh alamo was when they previewed some of the Rick and Morty episodes before uh, season two or three, I forget which one uh, uh, you were there for that, right? It was you and me and, and Brant.
1: Yeah. There's, there a few of us there. That was, that was a good time. Yeah. yeah.
3: Right. Yeah, yeah. I was at that. I believe that was through the, through ATX uh, television. That's right? Yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. Yeah, well, but, I mean, that's one that's event. I mean, I, 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 I wish don't there was
0: more to that story other than <laughs> we had a good time once.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Uh, Poor a little out <laughs> for the Ritz location. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think the upshot here is here's our first, as, as I put it, notable uh, bankruptcy. And it's not we're not losing the Alamo draft house. Uh, we're, we're keeping the majority of it and they're, they're positioning themselves to make a comeback when the movies are coming back this summer. Uh, so, uh, I, I've taken this as a hopeful sign. It certainly isn't the last sign we're going to get and it doesn't say, Oh, everything's going to be fine. But, but yeah, I, I, I think I, I'm taking this as a good sign.
0: It's well in, in worth noting is that, um, uh, Alamo Drafthouse uh, part of its brand was built on uh, these kind of punk rock uh, out of the box scenarios where whether it was a um, uh, Atari 2600 tournament or a um, uh, uh, like something that they would claim was a party celebrating Andy Kaufman but secretly was we're just gonna show you like a bunch of illegal clips of Andy Kaufman doing all of this stuff without paying any license fees. Um, I, 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 I am certain they're going to do just fine. It uh, is all I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to, that that's the case. All right. Let's talk about what to watch and under surveillance. I'm not sure what to make of this one. Entertainment company level forward has acquired the rights to turn Walter Tevis's novel, the queen's gambit, the, same novel that was turned into a TV show for Netflix into a Broadway musical level forward has previously produced what the constitution means to me, Oklahoma and jagged little pill. And will now produce the musical, the queen's gambit.
3: I grant
0: grant 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 say Uh, something. I don't, I don't, I don't,
3: I think if if there's one way to make chess interesting, it's in musical form. <laughs> I don't like musicals. Um, I I I thought I thought the show was fun though. It was uh, really uh, creative uh, storytelling, and I think it was the same dude that did uh, Logan, right? Is that right? Anyway, I, I I liked I liked the visual style of the movie. I don't know how they're going to capture that in this kind of transition
0: but i do do want to put out there that it's like that doesn't mean it's definitely going to be bad like 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 we've seen plenty of things that should not be musicals turn into wonderful musicals so for all for all we know it may be great
2: yeah uh could be the hamilton of chess musicals of which there are more
0: than one the the hamilton (laughs) of the beauty of the beast
2: uh, March 19th, Apple TV Plus will launch an adaptation of the Canal Plus series Calls. Uh, calls uses audio and abstract visuals to tell uh, non-unique non short-form stories um, through a series of phone calls. Uh, it, in other words, you don't see anybody's faces. Uh, you get nine different stories and you just see wavy lines and stuff while people are talking on phone calls the series includes performances from rosario dawson mark duplass karen gillen judy greer nick jonas pedro pascal and a bunch of other names you'll probably recognize
0: i mean to be honest like like this makes me more excited than anything. It's like, if you could take true talent and strip away their stupid symmetrical faces and their perfect oh bodies and all that stuff, <laughs> and instead reduce them to their ability to perform like, like you think I'm joking, but it's like, I'd like, like everything about this sounds awesome to me.
3: I think it just makes sense. We're seeing so many people make that transition from, from podcasts to visual narrative and then to kind of have the flip in a way like mm. we're going to essentially make a film but make it look more like what you are some abstract visualization that's going on with a podcast
2: and i think this series may have predated covid but certainly covid friendly in production right
3: people just mm. record their lines from home
0: oh
2: yeah they've
3: got it set up I love this experimental approach that a lot of um, a lot of these shows are doing. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of like Waking Life, with this kind of like we're going to take these stories and rotoscope out like some visual animation. Mm-hmm. But did you guys see any of the show Undone? I don't even remember what what mm-hmm. channel it was on, but it oh was yeah, a, on this, Amazon. A, was it Amazon. Yeah. yeah, it did this kind of interesting blend where uh, it was real life, and then it was rotoscope, and then it like it would just kind of uh delve into kind of weird dream fantasy as they're telling the story is, is that
0: the one with um uh bob odenkirk bob or? odenkirk was yeah, the yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah what's funny is i was going to ask you about uh uh the midnight gospel uh the one that was uh based on a bunch of podcasts
3: our chat room is pointing out good. here
2: is yet another series where you won't see pedro pascal's face hmm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that guy his agent though is just killing it for him he, like i see him in every, everything everything yeah, he's working. Good job. Uh, Bill Nye is
2: going to be working some more, too. Uh, Bill Nye will executive produce and host a series called The End is Nye, N-Y-E, uh, for Peacock. Brandon Braga of Star Trek fame will serve as showrunner and direct the episodes. Each episode will investigate existential threats, hence The End is Nye. Uh, volcanoes, asteroids, climate change, chemical warfare, stuff like that.
0: Can uh, I don't want to be that guy that's hating on Bill Nye, but also... Seems an awful lot like Bill Nye is invested in nihilistic, uh, terrible end of the world existential threat kind of stuff, and I don't know that I'm loving it. Is 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 it just me? Maybe.
2: Did you say
3: nihilistic? I oh okay. I was really hoping you would let me walk past that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no, I, I think that was my reaction to this as well. It's I, I, I'm desperate for escapism that's like a little bit more uplifting right now, and. <laughs> this ain't it. Well, it's it's just more depressing stuff. Not only is this
0: ain't it, but like Bill Nye has been like aggressively against anything positive for like 20 years now. And it's really weirding me out. I I, I don't know how to wrestle with that.
2: Uh, David Simon and George Pelicanos are bringing a limited series set in Baltimore to HBO. Uh, Of course, if you might recognize those names, they are two of the folks who did the wire. This new limited series is based on the Baltimore gun trace task force. Uh, based on the book We Own This City, and the series will be called We Own This City.
0: Technically, I should be worried, but you said the words David Simon, so I guess I'm in. I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's, oh. it's really hard for me to, against, to be against anything David Simony.
3: i I'm totally in. I, I love this. Uh, I, I love Show Me a Hero. Like when he's able to just kind of focus on a miniseries, uh, it, it's, it's, it's tight, controlled narrative. Um, I, I'm down. I think it's good. And be uh,
2: it's, it may not be uplifting, but I, I think you're all, all right. It's going to be good. Paramount has hired Kalin Vasquez to write a script for a new Star Trek mu- movie. Uh, Vasquez is actually named after a character from the original series episode, By Any Other Name, has written for Star Trek Discovery and co executive produced Fear of the Walking Dead. Her script is said to be an original idea that she pitched. Uh, and they said, This looks great. Let's make a movie.
0: So. Uh... If, 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 if we're just speculating, what do you think this looks like?
3: No idea. Right. It, it's not Quentin Tarantino <laughs> anymore.
1: Right. So uh,
3: Tarantino and what's by that? Noah Holly? Hawley? Noah Holly's supposed to be doing one too. Still. I think. Oh, is he? I would definitely love a Noah Hawley take Tarantino less so, but I think that she direct, she wrote the second part of uh, are you guys watching Star Trek discovery. I am, a, I am. There's a two parter where they go to the Mirrorverse um, in this last season, and she did the yep. second part of it, which had, I, I thought it was, it, it had really um, great beats and moments that captured a lot of the optimism behind what Trek should be. There, there's been a lot of dark paths that I think Brian Fuller took the show, especially early on in the first season that they're now trying to steer away from and show that trek is supposed to be about looking for the best in humanity and the second part of that episode if if that's what i'm able to base her work off of um did a great job of of capturing the heart of what i think trek is about so in that regard i'm encouraged and excited for what this could be
2: yeah and she seems steeped in the universe so you know hopefully gonna bring that that sensibility, that fan sensibility of, of, you know, what Star Trek has been and what it has not and still could be. I'm, I'm very curious like you, Brian. I, I, I have no idea what this is going to be, but I'm very
1: curious what it's going
0: to be. What's uh, a, it, it, just to take temperature, uh, Bryce, how, how into the Star Trek universe are you at zero, this point? Okay.
1: Zero, zero percent.
0: Right, right. But, but we did force feed you uh, a, a lower decks, and, and you seem to not hate it as much as I had feared. I, or That
1: show is good. I, do, I still don't care about Star Trek. I mean, I thought some of those new Star Wars movies were good, but I don't really. You don't see me watching the old ones either. I, I'm. Star, lower Decks is a good show is the beginning and the end of that. That's all I needed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got a few other notes to uh, keep up here. Fast and Furious 9 got moved again, but not as far. Uh, The new date is just a month later than the previous one. F9 will now supposedly arrive in theaters June 25th. Uh, So the the moves are getting shorter as we narrow in on when we think people will actually start showing up in theaters in large enough amounts. Ted Lasso Season 2 has added Sarah Niles to play Sharon, a sports psychologist. She was recently in I May Destroy You and Catastrophe. Apple has ordered a series called Dr. Brain based on a Korean webtoon. It tells the story of a scientist who uses technology to search through memories. The 700th episode of The Simpsons airs March 25th. 5th, uh, March 21st. And if you were thinking maybe now that they reach this milestone, they would stop, they won't. Fox has approved two more seasons, ensuring there will be at least 757 episodes of the simpsons by the end of season 34 in 2023 netflix plans to roll out its biggest annual roster of indian content this year with 41 indian films and shows in 2021 that's three times more than the last two years combined netflix previously committed to invest 420 million dollars on locally produced indian content in 2019 and 2020 and sad news today uh that the creators of kim's convenience are moving on after season five uh, and they have decided not to try to do the show without the creators. So Kim's Convenience season five will be its last.
0: Before we talk about the other stuff, the Kim's Convenience announcement seemed—I don't know—peculiar to me. Is—is is it weird for me to read too much into that? Like, there's like, something.
2: Like, there's another shoe to drop.
0: Yeah, I'm right? wrong with you. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, separate from that, Grant, uh, you've watched Ted Lasso, right? We're still friends, I- right? I've definitely
3: seen Ted Lasso. Okay, I have good. not seen okay, Kim's good. Convenience.
0: Good, good, good. Okay, that's fine. Uh, we, we could be friends over at Ted Lasso. Uh, so uh, Ted Lasso, I, I'm, I'm assuming that Sharon maybe becomes kind of a, a potential rebound love interest, something to make things interesting for Ted Lasso? Question mark? I don't know. No
2: idea.
3: There are other I mean, love interests at play. So, As a psychologist, I'm sure they, they could all use that. At times, so that would be an interesting thing. Oh, that's interesting. What if she's
0: the, uh, the matchmaker between Ted oh. Lasso and whoever else, just saying.
3: The boss lady, the, okay. the owner right. of right. the franchise, if you, yeah,
0: yeah. if you just want to say it, that's fine. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now you've cursed it. No,
2: Grant. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about what we've had our eyes on, uh, stuff that we've been watching
3: and we want to recommend it to you, uh, Grant, uh, what you been watching? You know, speaking of Ted Lasso, I finally got a chance to go and check out Mythic Quest. And I was I was already mildly interested because it has uh, Rob McElhenney. I'm not sure if I'm gonna pronounce the last name Mac- right. Mackeleni? Mac-, Mac Whatever. It's, it's, Mac it's Mac yeah. from all his Friends. Stuff. Yeah. Um I so seeing that, seeing him and seeing Danny Pewdy in there, I was I was already like, okay, I think I'm gonna enjoy this, but it seems a little bit too wacky, goofy. I dove in, watched a few episodes, and it was basically what I expected. A little bit funnier than I was anticipating, and I would say when I got to about the fourth or fifth episode, there was that surprise. I don't know if you guys have seen the show. I have, but there's there's a surprise one-off episode that is Jake Johnson and Kristen Bellotti. Just, and just it a is
0: hard left turn.
3: Fantastic, and I my, it was jaw-droppingly like profound. And then, like, realizing how that one-off episode actually eventually weaves into the rest of the narrative, um, there's some true heart to this. And this, I thought, made an excellent pairing with Ted Lasso, surprisingly. I I loved both of these shows. By the end of um, Mythic Quest, I found that all these initially, like, unlikable narcissists are this beautiful dysfunctional family that I am invested in now and they did this quarantine episode that had such a heartbreakingly profound and yet relatable moment in it um like it was brilliant how they did a quarantine episode anyway I, I've seen a lot of people attempt it and I thought theirs was one of the most successful ones I've seen but in I, addition it just it hurt it pulled at the heartstrings in
0: such a good way I totally agree uh the quarantine The quarantine uh, gauntlet is a a tough one to go through regardless, but uh, I've never seen anybody do better than mythic quest. Also mythic quest does a really good job of genuinely encapsulating the, uh, the nature of, of, you know, uh, video game crunch culture. And, you know, it's, it's, everybody gives their best, not because they have to, but because they want to, because they want it to be good. Um, I'm 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 glad you enjoyed it. Uh, it did it did man. It's a it's a slow burn. It takes a little while to get all the way wound up.
3: Yeah, I, I was I was still, you know, reserving judgment until I would say the Jake Johnson episode where I go, oh, they they are doing something a little bit different, a little bit interesting here with this, and it's not just that surface level show that I was expecting.
0: That yeah. there is, and and uh, I'm I'll. Try to not be spoilery, but I want to say it's episode seven or eight, but there's a opening where uh, uh, Rob McElhaney walks in and refers to someone who is an an antagonist by his familial name. And all of a sudden it's just like, okay, I'm in. I'm all the way in.
3: <laughs>
2: all right, fine. I'm going to, I've been meaning to watch this. I've, I need to get around. This is, this is the, the push I need. Uh, I'm going to have to put Mythic Quest in my queue. Brian, what have you been watching?
0: Uh, I finally got around to watching the last half of uh, Real Steel. Uh, that's one that uh, Penny, my uh, 17-year-old daughter, has been, uh, you know, she's like, uh, are you kidding me? They're robots, they're boxing. Let's go. And, and we've held off am I. For the life of me, I don't know why, but, uh, but man, was it fun. It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's doubly fun because at some point, if, if, if you're playing the bingo card of MCU characters, like Falcon shows up, uh, uh, the main character is Wolverine, uh, the Wasp is, uh, the love interest. It's, it's great. It's great. It's great. It's better than it needs to be just. Go watch Real Steel. It's it's rocky only 20 years later, 30 years later.
2: Oh, cool. Uh, I want to put in a check-in on For All Mankind, another Apple TV Plus show, uh, which is now in its third episode, I think. Uh, they have jumped in season two into the 1980s, uh, so... I won't get spoilery, but you know, certain things are similar to the actual '80s. There, certain things are subtly changed. Uh, the premise of the show, of course, is still that the Soviet Union beat the United States to the moon, and because of that the The moon becomes uh, uh, an object of the race. Uh, instead of we landed on the moon and okay, that's it. Uh, it becomes everybody's wanting to put moon bases and accelerates the space program, accelerates some technologies, but not all technologies. So it's still a fairly familiar 1980s. This has so far been a little more heavy on the character stories, uh, than the first season where there was a lot more, we got to get to the moon and and do space drama. Uh, but it's all pointing towards definite space drama coming, uh, in the middle of the season here. So I'm curious about that, but, uh, overall I'm not enjoying it as much as I did season one, but because I enjoyed season one as enough, uh, I'm, I'm being carried along by these characters that they have made me care about. So I'm, I'm, I'm still looking forward to watching it if I don't watch it immediately, like I did season one.
0: Is this one of those where you want to just jump in on season two, or or do you have to get all the way No,
2: up? I would recommend starting, I would, season one is better. Yeah. And I don't think season two is as good unless you've watched season one.
0: Right
3: on.
1: All right, what should we be on the lookout for, Bryce? Hey, Nikki M has another pick for us. They write, I don't know if this was mentioned before, but I really like the K-drama Startup on Netflix. It has a very good love triangle because both of the guys are great, and I and even I was torn. Uh, the family drama was good; it had me laughing and crying. I like the premise of startup companies and the Google campus setting. Just a great all-around series. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah, uh, this looks like um, it, it's about uh, uh, a, a startup. Hey, a, t- a titular startup. Uh, and the young adults who are working in it. I don't know. Uh, Tom, has this been on your radar at all? Startup. It it is on
2: my radar. I haven't watched it though, uh, and I, and I love that that Nikki has sent this in because I think it just points out that there are more interesting shows coming out of Korea than uh, you have time to watch. Uh, so mm-hmm. so we've been focused on Vincenzo and um, uh, Sisyphus uh, and and haven't got around to startup. But I've heard good things about
1: it. Nice, um, and I think the uh, God, I want to say the writer for this is um, uh, uh, is is the writer for another K drama that I remember you you mentioning um in the past, Tom, um, but uh, yeah, uh, startup, uh, uh start uh, there are sixteen. Here, here's the other thing: if you like, if you like K dramas, there are sixteen hour and a half long episodes on yeah. Netflix right now. <laughs> Uh, if you've got something we should be on the lookout for, let us know. Email us cordkillers at gmail.com. So, look, I'm I'm, uh, I'm not going to
0: hold anybody to anything here, but I feel like Tom, just it, you, me, campfire, we're just talking. What's the magic with Korean dramas right now? Like, why is it happening? Do you have any ideas?
2: I I do. Actually, I was just talking to Eileen about this. Part of it is that uh, they they just have been doing it long enough, you know, that they they're they're getting good at it. And part of it is. Because they do 16 hour and a half long episodes and don't do a season two, they run through concepts faster. In the U.S., we have a good season. We give it another season and we keep giving it a season, you know, five, six, seven seasons. Uh, in Korea, it's always like, OK, we're done with that one. What's next? Uh, and so I think that forces them to come up with more and more creative ideas. And and just the maturation of the industry itself uh, is is putting out more talent. Uh, because talent feeds
0: on talent. It it seems like we're sort of at a middle ground between like, a, uh, I don't know, a, a BBC series is all of like two and a half episodes long, <laughs> whereas an American series is, is 75 seasons yeah. and five movies. Uh, I, I, so I, 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 if there's a, a happy middle, that's where we're at.
2: All right, Brian. Speaking of the happy middle, we're at the happy middle of our show where you... Get to tell folks something cool.
0: Yeah, dude. Um, I'm getting emails. I'm not entirely sure whether or not I'm talking out of school, but, like, like uh, I, I, I have had people who have appeared on this show write me directly saying, hey, like, no BS for reals. Should I go ahead and buy my next system from Doghouse Systems? And, and I was very flattered when this person hypothetical though they maybe said that uh because yes it's it's like the customer service is extraordinary like 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 they hold your hand the entire process through you get top of the line equipment you get good prices and most importantly you keep us in business if you head on over to doghousesystemscom slash rogue promo code r-o-g-u-e at checkout dude keep us alive
2: let's move on to the front lines XDA developer editor Michelle Rahman discovered the Google TV app on Android includes some code for a new feature to use the app as a remote control for navigating on an Android TV device. In an official announcement about Google TV, Google said on Monday it's adding kids profiles to Google TV in the U.S. this month. That'll let you choose which apps are available for kids to use. It also will recommend age-appropriate shows and let parents set time limits.
0: And Plex now integrates with the Apple TV app, all meaning some of you guys are going to be watching, In Plex uh, will show up in the Up Next section and be searchable within using Siri. However, uh, it only works if you uh, use Plex's free ad-supported content, not your own library of material.
2: Yeah, probably an agreement of some sort. I don't know if it's with Apple or the content owners or what. Grant, do you use Plex by chance? I do not. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, Plex fans (laughs) out there, let us know if you find this useful at all. Sony's PlayStation Store will no longer offer TV or movie purchases and rentals as of August 3rd. Customers will still be able to access purchased content for playback on your PS4 and PS5 consoles. You're not losing access. You'll still be able to access it on mobile. But Sony basically said too few of its customers were using the store uh, and using other streaming services instead. So, uh, Sony's packing it in. And yeah, too much hassle. We're not going to offer that anymore. You can get your stuff at Voodoo or somewhere else.
0: And Paramount Plus uh, uh, launched last week, but its biggest hit of the Paramount, uh, Paramount Network cable channel Yellowstone is not available. Uh, uh, you'll have to go to Peacock to watch it. Similarly, South Park is only on HBO Max. Why? Because apparently Viacom CBS brings shows. To uh, 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 where they can make the most money. <laughs> Crazy idea. And that is not yet uh, where uh, Paramount Plus is at.
2: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because Viacom had the strategy of license stuff out. Uh, CBS had the strategy of license stuff everywhere, but have a streaming service. And now that they're together, uh, I guess they're doing the best of both worlds. Yeah. Apple premiered a documentary of singer Billie Eilish called The World's a Little Blurry in 100 Countries on Apple TV Plus and in theaters. Deadline reports that Apple says it brought 33% new viewers to Apple TV Plus, mostly young adults, although they didn't give a hard number. Uh, Half the audience came from outside the US, but Apple seems pleased with it.
0: And the BBC shut down the BBC. Three broadcasts in 2016, making it the streaming only. uh, BBC Three is, oh, oh, sorry. The BBC shut down BBC three. Now I understand uh, broadcast in 2016, making it a streaming only. The BBC three is targeted to people to 16 to 34 last Tuesday. The BBC confirmed. It'll bring the BBC three back to broadcast in January, 2022 based on research that there are enough people who want it as a broadcast channel. After all, it will be broadcast as it did before, uh, as it did before from 7 p.m. to 4 a.m. BBC3 has been the launchpad for worldwide hits like Killing Eve and Fleabag.
2: Yeah, I find this a very strange decision to be like, yeah, five years ago when fewer people were streaming, we thought, nah, we don't need to broadcast this anymore. But now, now that more people are streaming, we definitely need to put
0: this on the air. Um, If I was to guess, I would say that there's sort of no lose to... Shutting things down or starting them back up again, like, like, like in both cases, you get to make a lot of news. So in, in that regard, even if, as they're shutting things down, it makes sense that they would make a lot of noise about it shutting down, knowing that they'll be able to make even more noise when it comes back again.
3: Yeah. All but right. The so backslide let's just, is so bizarre, right? <laughs> like moving back yeah, to going to bat- it,
2: broadcast. Okay. Like, I mean, I get what you're saying, Brian. There's there's no lose in in the PR hit, but just why make the decision at all?
0: I mean, straight up for the PR.
2: Maybe. Hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Let us move on to dispatches from the front. Josh wrote in and wanted to give us some firsthand information on the market in India, which he says, as you know, is completely different to the U.S. market. This is based on some unscientific research based on calls to family and cousins by me, who sits here in the U.S., says Josh. But here's what Josh found out. Hot star is the default that everyone subscribes to that's the one disney owns netflix is not that popular and hence the multiple price changes and mobile only plans netflix's struggles are in part due to limited indian content which limits the market to urban areas netflix is investing heavily in indian content this year as we heard earlier but is keep going for mature but keeps going for mature content it will continue to struggle according to Josh. Amazon is a strong second mainly due to its aggressively going for movie streaming rights and it does as as it does for international streaming. Josh says, "I am from the south of India and pretty much get every new South Indian movie within the month on Prime and so do my parents in India. During the pandemic, Amazon has been the lifeline for most film distributors." though this has been more for the South Indian film industry, which is smaller and segregated to each state based on the language and doesn't have huge studios like Bollywood. Amazon also doesn't have a lot of local series, but the movies are more than making up for it. And a curious note regarding international rights, Game of Thrones is streamed on Hotstar in India. Thank you, Josh. That's good stuff.
0: Uh, Man, that's one of those things where it's like... um... I I, I I wish I had um a, a, a boots on the ground experience with any of this, but it's like, I, I, I thank you to everybody who writes in because otherwise I don't, I don't, I don't know how I would know any of this.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Josh. It's, it's good to get, even if it's not our own boots, in this case, it wasn't even Josh's boots. It was Josh's friends and family's boots.
0: Meanwhile, James C. Lose. Smith writes in, uh, I was asking uh, for permission to uh, use euphemisms for various services, and he says, I have no issue with the cock. It's short, easy to say, uh, associates with the peacock. However, the peepee place is hardly shorter, harder to associate mm-hmm. it with Paramount Plus. However, the mount would be a more easy to thing uh easier thing to practice shorthand. Uh, are there
1: uh, euphemisms if they are more sexual than the original?
0: I don't know, dude, it's shorter. Uh, <laughs> like do you want to say paramount wait, plus wait, or do you just want to sexual, say the
2: mouth? none of this is meant to be sexual all right.
0: Right. Peacock or just the cock? Yeah, 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 just I'm all about name. the cock and the mouth.
2: I think we should uh, throw this over to Grant. Uh the mount <laughs> oh, or the pee pee place? Oh man,
3: the mount. I guess.
2: Yes. <laughs> to yeah. put on yes. the spot,
3: but I love the mount.
2: All right, it is decided. <laughs> the cap, <gavel>. the mount. <laughs> uh, speaking of Grant, thank you, Grant, oh. for being here. It was
0: great having you.
3: Thanks so much for having me. This was fun.
0: Where oh, is good. the I'm very glad. best place for people to to follow so many more of your shenanigans? <sighs>
3: i do a bunch uh i would say right now i'm focused on the mcu pod which is me talking about the marvel cinematic universe you can go to mcupod.com or you can go type in mcu pod on youtube to find our live shows we do live streams talking about uh well we were doing wandavision we're now going to do falcon and the winter soldier 9 p.m central standard time friday nights We've even had
1: guests on like uh like Bryce. Bryce has joined us to talk about it and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, those guys are great. They 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 really know their stuff. I was a little intimidated uh joining the show to talk about WandaVision, but they made it very they made it very easy. It was a very good in-depth talk uh about the Marvel stuff. So check it out, MCU Pod. Thanks. Our website is
2: cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. And we are live on twitch.tv slash night attack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Talk to you again next time.
0: Hey, Tom Merritt. Yes, Brian Brush. You know who I love even more than my own children? Your other children? No, not my wife. I know what you're saying. I love our $5 patrons. These are the people that keep us loud, live, and independent. Thank you so much, $5 patrons.
2: You know what? I love them more than not life itself, because then I'd be dead and I couldn't appreciate them. But really, really, really close. And I'm so thankful that they are here to make this show happen.
0: Thank you so much to all of our $5 a month patrons. You guys are wizards, you're champions, you're heroes.
2: Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this (laughs) program.